Hello, everybody. It's Katie, and I just wanted to say quickly before we get into the episode, thank you guys so much for tuning in every week and listening to Michaela and I talk about movies and television. We really appreciate each and every one of you. If you enjoy Popcorn Chats and this podcast and the content that Michaela and I work really hard each week to make, please consider showing your appreciation by following us on our Instagrams. If you're listening to us on Spotify, please go to our show page and hit the green follow button. That way you can get notified when we post new episodes every week. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and a review, comment on the episodes, and let us know what you think about what we're saying. We also post our episodes on YouTube every single week. So if you're more of a visual person, you can watch us chit-chat instead of listening to us. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel while you're there because we're so close to being monitored monetized. If you really want to go above and beyond supporting Michaela and I, there is a listener support tab within the Anchor app or on the Anchor website. If you want to help us out, these episodes are super fun for us to make and we want to keep doing it and your support, whether you're just listening for the first time or you're tuning in consistently every week. Everything you guys do for us means so much and we appreciate each and every one of you more than you know. Buckle up, because it's going to be a long ride. It's going to be a wild ride. Nobody cares, but we're going to tell you anyways. This is Popcorn Chats. <laughs> What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Popcorn Chats. I'm Katie. And I'm McKay. Can you hear my fan in the background? No. I'm going to turn it off. We're back with a new episode covering another season of Game of Thrones. Our rewatch is continuing on in anticipation for the August premiere of House of the Dragon. This episode is about season four of Game of Thrones and our rewatch. We're talking all about it. Spoilers ahead, not only for this season, but for continuing on seasons of Game of Thrones because Mikhail and I have both seen it all the way through and this is our rewatch recap cap one of our favorite shows of all time if you're new to this new series on the pod thank you for coming back and joining us you guys are seeming to really like this series here so thank you we're loving doing it i am loving rewatching oh. this show and being able to talk about it with you because we didn't watch it at the same here's time. the thing oh my god that's so true and now watching the same episodes at the same time together and then being able to talk about mm-hmm. it with you yeah such a joy and just rewatching this show it's such a good show to rewatch because of all the new things that we're picking up and then just the storytelling I'm just I'm really appreciating it I'm really loving it I typically don't go back and rewatch things but this one it's like a must rewatch I rewatch literally everything I like rewatch things more than I watch <laughs> yeah. new things because I don't like that's new true things. for you yeah <laughs> I just don't watch anything <laughs> We're just going to skip a check-in because nothing's really new with either of us and it's late where Michaela is. So we just want to get a move on here. I hit 5,000 on YouTube, actually. That just happened today. Congratulations! Oh my gosh. Thank you. I'm so proud of you. So yeah, that's literally my only thing. And that like just happened like three hours ago. Wow. Thank you guys for subscribing to McKay. Yeah. Thank you. I'm excited. So anyways, yeah, I just finally had something to contribute to a check-in, so I just wanted to say oh, that real quick. I'm sorry. I thought you said you oh, wanted no, that's to okay. check-in today. No, no, I just thought, like, you know how sometimes our check-in can be, like, 20 minutes and, like... Mostly do, my do, like, sound <laughs> We can do, like, sound bite check-in today. Yeah, yeah. So definitely. we got to start with the 60-second oh recap. God. Good thing you remember this shit because I fucking don't. <laughs> is it your turn? Please tell me it's your turn. I can't It is this. my... It is, in Thank fact, my turn. God. Okay, let me pull up my timer then. So if this is your first recap episode that you're listening to, um, I challenged Katie in our very first episode to give a 60 second recap of the first season of Game of Thrones and now we've been alternating back and forth each season doing this. It's normally bad, but it's kind of entertaining to hear what sticks out for the season and what doesn't. All right, Michaela, are you ready? Yes, I am. Three... Two, one, begin. So we start out, it's not even in the first episode, who cares about that? The second episode, Joffrey dies, RIP, but not really, he is poisoned, and Tyrion is blamed, and Sansa is whisked away by Littlefinger to her aunt's house, but her aunt is a nutcase, and she ends up being pushed out the moon door by Littlefinger, whatever, Littlefinger realizes that she's a real threat, Arya and the Hound are off on their adventures, Lilas to them, Brienne and Podrick are teaming up this season, love to see 
that. Jamie is stuck between Cersei and Tyrion. Tywin is being a dickhead with his incestuous family. Um, who, <laughs> John and Egret are separated. They are no more. And then later, R.I.P. Egret and uh Bran uh Bran is off doing fuck knows what Theon is now not Theon he is Reek because Ramsey Bolton is a fucking psychopath um Danny has freed more people but then some people are like wait we don't really know if we like this Grey Worm and Missandei are starting to vibe with each other and Sir Jorah has betrayed Danny cut and off cut of off dragons. cut off cut off cut off Ooh. <laughs> Sorry, I gave you I a feel little. Like that was actually pretty good. I gave you a little extra time to account for the lag between us. Um, but yeah, that was really good. I I I enjoy your recaps a lot more than mine. I'm sure our our listeners do as well. That was very. I impressive. don't know. I feel like yours are very chaotic. Mine are chaotic, <laughs> but yours are succinct, and you cover at least more than one fucking storyline. I don't. Like, I get hung up on one, and I just <laughs> stick with that the whole sixty seconds. But then I realized I forgot. Like, uh, what's his face, Stannis? Sorry. Oh. To who fucking cares about him, Stannis? Get out. Lots going on this season. Lots of continuation with some of our favorite people on the show. I kind of agree with you. You know, we were talking a bit, obviously, while watching this, and Michaela mentioned that it's a bit of a slow start to this season. And I think I agree. Like, minus the purple wedding. Purple wedding's kind of cray. It kind of goes like from a simmer to a really hot like overflowing boil by the end of the season in a lot of different ways and in all different places of the seven kingdoms you know everything's kind of coming to a head halfway through the show at this point we're very deep into these major storylines with our favorite characters storytelling is really important and things are starting to pay off that have been building up throughout since the beginning so it's very fun to watch lots of death this season of course because of it's game of thrones obviously lots of death but lots of prominent people passed away this season we'll get into that yeah i don't know what do you want to start with well i feel like we should start with standout star and standout scene before we jump okay into everything else good plan good well, plan what who is your standout star this time i'm very interested to know why don't you go first oh are you sure yeah because uh, I literally don't have one. <laughs> you don't? No, I didn't feel like anyone in particular this season's storyline like stuck out to me. And honestly, if I was going to pick, it was going to be Tyrion just because he's my yeah. favorite character. Um, but like, do I necessarily think that like for this season specifically, was he like the absolute standout to me? Like in past seasons when I've chosen my people, Danny. Tyrion, Marjorie, like I don't necessarily think they had one of those kind of se- like Tyrion had one of those kind of seasons, but he stood out to me because he's my favorite. Okay. So I don't really feel like that's a fair comparison. I guess this season, I did actually really enjoy Ramsay just because mm. he's fucking insane. But again, like, is he my standout? Not necessarily. So yeah. I don't know. I didn't really have one person that overshined everyone else. I get that. I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm surprised, though, with you not choosing Tyrion, because I I think of all the storylines, the, the King's Landing storylines are my favorite, especially with, like, the Dorne people thrown into the mix and um, everything that is the fallout after the Purple Wedding. I really loved Tyrion this, this season. I think he would definitely be a contender for my standout star. But something that surprised me, and I think who I'm going to choose for my standout star this season is Prince Oberyn. I really fucking like him. And I just like, I think Ramsay as well. Like I didn't appreciate these characters as much the first time through because they're like kind of late to the game. And I'm already, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, we've talked about this, like struggling to keep up with who's who. But now on this rewatch, I'm able to appreciate Mm -hmm. everyone so much more. I'm picking up on so much more. And I really, Mm -hmm. really love Ramsay. Obviously like, he's a horrible person but the the performance by this actor is fucking emmy worthy he's incredible him and theon both in this season are insane together i don't know how they didn't get nominated yes because they truly delivered outstanding performances they heighten each other's i i love their dynamic and yeah, just that new character. But then Oberyn, I did not really appreciate him as much the first time around. 
But we mm-hmm. love the fucking bisexual representation that is Oberon and his lover from Dorne. And <laughs> just Oberon as a character in general, I fucking love the moment with him and Tyrion when Oberon tells him that he'll be his champion. And I think just like the mm-hmm. first time through, I was like, who the fuck is this random guy? Like, I don't really understand yeah. what's going on. Why do we care about him? But it's like a full circle moment. All It all leads mm-hmm. up to him like deciding to be Tyrion's champion for mm-hmm. the trial by combat or whatever. And I just think it's such good storytelling. Mm-hmm. And just his character is really well done. And I think the actor does a great, great performance. I, lo- I love Pedro Pascal and I yes. love him in this role. And I totally agree with you. I did not appreciate uh, the Martells enough the first time around. And I mm-hmm. thoroughly enjoyed them this season. Also, that got me thinking, where did Bronn go? I'll just touch on this really quick because I don't necessarily feel like it's that important to come back to. Tyrion's whole trial by combat situation. How is that allowed that he just gets to choose someone to like fight for him to the death Mm -hmm. and then like prove his innocence? And I get the person like has to agree. Really, Bronn's only moment in this whole season is when Tyrion's like get Bronn to, he tells Jamie to get Bronn for him to be his champion again because he did it for him the first time when he was on trial and at the at the veil with crazy Liza but Bronn comes back and he's like I love you bud but like what would you do if you were in my situation I just like this doesn't make any sense I'm gonna choose to keep living just because my odds are better to not fight for you than to fight for you. <laughs> I appreciate that moment because it's such a good like that is Bronn's character. He mm-hmm. makes the choice that the character of Bronn would make. Okay, standout scene. I have two that I just, like, I literally couldn't pick from. I literally couldn't make myself pick. And those are going to be, one, of course, a Tyrion scene. Tyrion's trial and his confession when he is finally so fucking fed up with everyone in this trial after Shay gets on the stand, just annihilates his character, lies to everyone, everyone has, like, turned their backs on him, betrayed him, whatever. And when he turns around and he's like, none of you would be here if it wasn't for me. You would all be dead. You would all be captured. Stannis would have this castle and this is how you're all treating me. And when he turns to Varys and he's like, you even said that people are not going to like remember my name or like thank me for what I did. And Varys is like, yeah, you know, like I did. But he again, like he can't really say anything because he Mm -hmm. knows it's true. I just, I love Tyrion calling everyone out for their fucking behavior because he is mistreated by every single person on this show. And yet he still always like chooses the right path at the end of the day. Right. Like, he'll still choose. Like, if he had to make the same decision to save those people all over again, he still would do it, even mm-hmm. knowing what he knows now. I love that scene. And also, just, uh, Peter Dinklage is insanely talented. And then, um, Sansa, talking about Lyrsa's death and lying to the, like, little council yes. there with the Knights of the Vale. And seeing her cry and, like, become emotional and spin this whole tale about Littlefinger and Lyrsa and herself. And then when that woman hugs her and she's turned around to look at Littlefinger and you see him watching her and he's realizing like she I I can't control Mm -hmm. her like I she is not just a pawn like I thought she was she is not just a helpless silly foolish girl who just like wants to be married wants love wants to have babies and be a queen whatever she's like an actual player she's smart she knows how to play her hand right and she is an actual like threat to him a little bit and I just love seeing Littlefinger realize that and then also us as an audience realizing like oh shit Sansa is not the same like helpless girl that we saw in season one yes I love that scene yeah I love that moment because she really had his entire life in her hands because she definitely could have like fucked him over really hard I think that's another Sansa moment kind of like when she was playing her role in the capital I mean she's like a very skilled actress at this point Sansa is Mm -hmm. the character because she had to pretend to be someone she wasn't in the capital basically her entire teenagehood and now she is Mm -hmm. kind of like she's not letting up just because she's out of there that's when Mr. Baelish should have known that she is not one to be fucked with but he continues to try Mm -hmm. and manipulate her and that does not end well for him so R.I.P. My standout scene was also Tyrion's trial I love when he's like I wish I was the monster that you all think I am because I would have loved to be the one who poisoned Joffrey and I I just like how that ties into him and Oberon's conversation in the dungeon when Oberon 
says that he'll be his champion and he's like you everybody called you like this monster and i was so excited to see this beast when i was a kid visiting here and then you were just a baby with a big head and like you were just normal Tyrion's journey really comes to fruition in this season Mm -hmm. where he's just like fuck everyone i am who i am i'm not gonna apologize for it anymore like, what am I supposed to apologize for? Something that I literally can't control. Right. When Jamie's like, bro, he didn't try to kill our mom. He was an infant. Cersei, <laughs> like, just shut it's up, like, bro. Thank you. You want to stand behind the man that killed our mother? It's like, um, uh, you're on. Seek something. treatment. Seek treatment. Honestly. <laughs> 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 Maybe if more mental health resources were available to these people... <laughs> Some of these things wouldn't have happened. I love how the the purple wedding, though, wasn't either of our standout scenes. Because even though it was shocking, and I feel like maybe if we're done with that as we transition, if we want to maybe start with, like, all the stuff in King's Landing. Because, sure. like you said, there is so much there. And I think it was arguably the best location of storylines this season. But we start off with a bang. Yet again, Marjorie, widow times two now, not able to consummate a fucking marriage yet. Yeah, it's like she's cursed. I remember watching The Purple Wedding, because obviously when I first watched this, I had no idea that Joffrey died or like how he died or how any of this went down. And it was even more shocking because it's only the second episode in the season. We kind of anticipate like big things to happen later on in the season, but to have it be the second episode, that whole entire wedding sequence is great. When you're seeing Joffrey be like a fucking asshole, everyone just trying to get drunk, everyone having a party. And then when Marjorie's like, we'd like to pledge the food to the village. And then Cersei's like, take it to the pigs. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck, Cersei? They gotta it's sprinkle a great in sequence. those moments, though, because at the end of the day, Cersei is a villain, but she mm-hmm. has moments where it's like, she not re- she's not redeemed, but you can't help but like be drawn to her as a character. And I think a lot of that is just the actress and her performance. But those moments are very integral, I think, to the character of Cersei, where it's just she is this cold-blooded monster i don't know just her like mama bear moments i'm like i can't help but love her in those situations and when she's talking when she's begging with tywin not to like sell her off to or not sell her ship her off to uh what's it called with prince loris like marrying him high garden new garden oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. high garden um and saying like my first son is dead my daughter was sold off like cattle to dorn and now tommen is like my last child that i kind of have a hold of and she's like if i leave and marjorie and you fight for him there's gonna be nothing left for him and like you do see that she genuinely cares about them and i think truly they ultimately are the only thing only people that she does actually love and care about i do think she has a love for jamie but I don't think she I don't think she would sacrifice herself for Jamie like she would right. sacrifice herself for her children. I do have to say that one of my favorite scenes this season too was just seeing Jamie and Tyrion interact because mm-hmm. we we seen them interact before, but I feel like this season they were able to have a different level of like vulnerability with each other and I think we're obviously getting deeper into Jamie's character and seeing more sides of him that we haven't seen before. Like we started to see with Brienne, but I just feel like we're kind of building on that character development that we've been getting of him over the past few seasons. And I liked their conversation in the dungeon and, you know, even like how he defended Tyrion to Cersei or to Tywin. I just liked seeing him almost like pick Tyrion's side. Family dynamics in this season are very, very interesting. It's the first time since the first season that we're seeing them all together the three siblings and then their dad is thrown into the mix and the dad is like not on anyone's side jamie is his like golden favorite child but he's still like a dick to jamie and is kind of like controlling him and everything yeah it's very interesting seeing them all interacted i love jamie's character development in this season and he does make a choice you know he really does choose Tyrion over cersei the Mm -hmm. moment that he promises to his dad that he'll go to Casterly Rock as long as Tyrion gets to go to the wall. That's that's him giving up being by Cersei. So that really is him making a choice there, um, yeah. which is very interesting to see. And I don't think he would have done that without his experience with Brienne on the road. Yeah. Losing his hand and uh, training with Bronn. I really love watching Jamie in this season. And again, it just makes me annoyed about the way that he ends because it's so much character development. It kind of reminds me, this is 
so different, but like Alex from Grey's Anatomy, it's like so much fucking character development just thrown out the window just yeah. so he like ends up with the person he started with. It's like, mm-hmm. that's not what we want. <clears throat> it's so frustrating. He deserved better. Maybe. Not really, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I think he deserved better. In episode one, an interaction that I love that Tyrion has is Tyrion and Sansa, when obviously Sansa is grieving, obviously, the loss of her mom and her brother and kind of just like all hope, I feel like. Like, all hope is kind of lost for Sansa at the beginning of this season. And when Tyrion admits that he admired Catelyn, I just thought that that was a really great small moment of just acknowledging the fact that, you know, that he respected her mother, that even though she had yeah. taken him prisoner and stuff, that he could still respect her and admire her and I just think because a lot of the times you know women don't get the recognition that they deserve and the fact that Tyrion was like willing to admit that I just liked that moment I thought it was nice yeah and he's he's such a no bullshit person like he's not gonna be like your mother was amazing and I was best friends with your brother like he's like yeah your mom tried to have me killed but I did respect her like she was a dope lady and she loved you very much he's so genuine and then also at the purple wedding when he's like just be grateful it's not it's her and not you at least it's not not you marrying that prick so you know they're still like a somewhat united front even though uh, Sansa's still very much mourning the loss of her mom and brother and then the other kind of like Lannister interaction that I loved was obviously Jamie and Brienne sending them off or when mm-hmm. he sends her off um, to go find Sansa and like honoring his word with her and Catelyn and when he gave her the blade and the armor that moment like it gave me chills because I just I fucking love Brienne and Jamie together so much and then especially when she named the sword Oathkeeper and you could just tell like how deep that resonated with Jamie to know that like for the first time if almost ever is he keeping his oath and that he's not just a the kingslayer you know that he is a man of honor even if other people won't ever see that he himself can like acknowledge that because people around him realize that there's more to him than that single action of killing the Mad King. Right, yeah. And that also comes into play a lot uh, for Jamie's character this season because he he's very um, concerned with his image regarding, you know, Kingslayer and all of that. And he doesn't like that that is what is attributed to his name. His dad is asking him to break another oath, uh, leave the King's Guard and take a wife at Casterly Rock. So he's like, I don't want to be known for just breaking all of these vows and all of these oaths. And um, it's interesting for his character. And then also that moment when he says to uh, Loris, you'll never marry her. And Loris is like, and neither will you. It's just like, ooh, shit, bro. Shots fired. (laughs) (laughs) Jamie, I love you, but stop fucking your sister, bro. Like, come on. And Cersei and Brienne at the Purple Wedding. Cersei and Brienne's little confrontation, too. The Purple Wedding is so tense. So Mm -hmm. tense. And they really just make you hate Joffrey, like, right up until the bitter end with his dwarf play yeah. that he puts on and then him like mm-hmm. making Tyrion pick up the the goblet and then when Sansa picks up the goblet for Tyrion like that's just another moment where it's I like know. these two are in this shithole together I know they really are in it together they're like the two mistreated stepchildren in King's Landing that they just have to bond together and I love them like in the eighth season during the long night when they get to like team up again Ugh, I just I love them I really Mm -hmm. do which sounds weird because it's like literally a child married to an adult but it's like obviously not in that context their relationship not romantic relationship but like friendship camaraderie that they build is so great in such a bad situation because they're both so easy to hate mm-hmm. especially Tyrion like he again is just this monster that everybody wants him to be but he's not like that and Sansa sees through that bullshit everybody's like she's the daughter of a traitor and sister of a traitor and all this stuff and Tyrion's like bro she's a kid like <laughs> relax she's a literal child <laughs> Like, what the fuck? (laughs) I don't know. I feel like Joffrey is top, like, five most satisfying deaths of this entire show. And it does really come out of nowhere, going back to what you said earlier. Like, he's just such, like, an everlasting presence with the few Mm -hmm. bits that we get from him. And it's just, like, 
you think he's going to kind of last longer than you would like. And I mean, he did last longer than I would have liked. But like, I don't know. It does make sense that he he bit the dust because he was very unlikable, not just to mm-hmm. our favorite characters, but just everyone. Like everybody fucking hated yeah. his ass. I am tallying all of the deaths or like important deaths kind of, you know, like I'm not do- like the one watcher on the wall like that dude like I'm not counting him and stuff but I'm counting like all the major character deaths for us to talk about in our episode 8 like when we get to the finale like all the deaths I was just saying it is so satisfying to the way that he dies I'm glad that it wasn't like a quick death and that it was him choking to death right there turning purple it was very satisfying to see in front of everyone like everyone seeing him in that in that low moment there couldn't get any better than that he probably shit himself too which is funny (laughs) but then another thing with Sansa in King's Landing just the the fool that she saved I think that was Mm -hmm. season two Season one or two, him coming back into the mix, I just, I think shows like this that are running long enough where stuff like that can happen and things kind of come back in satisfying ways like that is so awesome. And Mm -hmm. ultimate fuck you moment when Peter kills him. Hate that shit. Yes. Mm, I just like fucking hate little Vic. He's one of the villains that I watch where it's like, I don't enjoy watching him when he's right. on my screen. Like, I love watching Varys, which, like, Varys isn't a villain, but I'd say he's, like, very morally gray. And I enjoy watching Ramsay. Ramsay is a piece of shit, but I do enjoy watching him because he's so crazy. Even Same. Joffrey, there's a certain level of enjoyment that you get from watching him because he is so, like, unhinged and absolutely psychotic. Where Littlefinger is just, like, he just gives me, like, the heebie-jeebies. Like, he just grosses me I don't me like out. him. Yeah, I don't like watching him. I really also love watching Cersei as a villain mm-hmm. and Tywin yes. too. And then the the allyship between Varys and Tyrion again, like Varys mm-hmm. um, looking out for Tyrion in that moment in the trial when he's like, "You told me." or whatever he's like did you forget what you said to me after like the battle at the blackwater and he's like unfortunately i never forget ultimately like that coming back around for Barry's like helping him at the end of the season helping mm-hmm. him to get out and then Barry's eventually leaving king's landing so we get Littlefinger and Barry's both leaving king's landing one with sansa and one with Tyrion. and i think that's very mm-hmm. interesting because yeah. these two men are both Peter Baelish is very self-interested and that kind of influences his reasoning for leaving King's Landing in the Lannisters and varies his self. I would say more he's into like self-preservation, but then he's also like looking out for mm-hmm. what's best for the realm and that influences mm-hmm. him to leave. I don't know. I like it. I, re- I really do enjoy varies as a character and just those two characters being kind of the main players in the Game of Thrones. They influence so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have a couple things about, like, Cersei and the Lannisters. Just, like, watching her mourn Joffrey, even though she knows, like, he fucking sucks. Um, I mean, it's still, like, her kid at the end of the day. And when mm-hmm. she says, did Jamie avenge our son? It's like, dude, mm-hmm. relax. And then not them fucking in front of their dead kid. They're fucking dead incest, baby. <laughs> no. Can we not? Oh, my God. Can we not? Rock. Oh, my God. How was I about to move on without even talking about the ending of the season with the Lannisters? But, yes. Yeah. Thousand percent. Rotted. I mean, already rotted. Find someone else that's not your blood to fuck. <laughs> yeah. And don't fuck in front of a dead person. You're dead incest, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is so nasty. This is why this show is so crazy. It makes you feel crazy because they have moments like that where Jamie's like literally, I would say like assaulting his sister because she's saying no and like it's not right and stuff because obviously she doesn't want to fuck in front of her son who is dead. Um, But then cut to Jamie just doing this profound little moment of like giving the Valyrian steel sword and armor and Podrick to Brienne. Like, he's... Why do you have Podrick. to be... So cute like that. But also a sister fucker. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my god. I freaking loved when Podrick showed up and he called Brienne sir. Yes. I love that duo. <sighs> me too. And again, then I think ahead to like other moments that they have coming up that it just makes me like so look forward to those. <laughs> Jamie and Cersei are just find someone else, bro. It's not like either of you two are ugly no. and like you're the only people that you can get. Like you can find someone right, else. Right, exactly. Please, please stop. <laughs> yeah. This is 
not really related, but I would just like to say that I think top bitch of this season is Maester Pycel. I hate that old crusty fuck. I don't like him. He's kissing everyone's ass. No one fucking likes you, dude. You talk too much. People are like, when Tywin's like, play the music so this fuck stops talking. Yeah. I do kind of love how much everyone like hates him though and doesn't hide yeah. that disdain because I love seeing him just get roasted by people. And then yeah, when Tyrion says to Jamie, like, you literally get to kill the king lose your ha- your fighting hand and fuck our sister and you're still dad's favorite so i don't know that's not really fair i just love all of the no. the jamie and Tyrion content that we get in this season just like i feel like we got so Me much Tyrion and cersei content in the third season and second season and now we're more like jamie and Tyrion. and also just going back to podrick when Tyrion's like there has never lived a more noble squire when he's talking to Podrick. Yeah. And he gives Podrick to um Brienne. And also then when they run into the little baker boy <gasps> yes. and he gives him the direwolf. Yeah, I was I was gonna bring that up when we talked about Arya. Um I just had one more thing that I, I completely forgot about. Yeah. Was the finale and also two just two middle fingers to Shay once again. Yeah. Like this is not I you like that. trying to survive. This is you like being a petty bitch and Butthurt. just completely like this isn't like just making up some sort of like lie that's gonna like damage his reputation like he's literally gonna die you're literally sentencing him to death because he sent you away which if you had half a brain cell you would realize that he did that because he loved you and was trying to keep you safe from his psychotic sister and psychotic father and psychotic king and then i find her death satisfying i do i'm glad for Tyrion, and i find tywin's death so satisfying too i mean tywin's death super satisfying i'm sad for Tyrion when he kills Shay because this is like the second woman prostitute that he has fallen in love with I really feel for him in this moment because he did love her and like mm-hmm. you said he was he was just trying to protect her and she was like well you broke up with me and now I'm gonna fucking get you killed and fuck your dad yeah. don't do that that's like that's not a justifiable reaction you're a little bitter I get it <laughs> yeah. you got dumped But it was for your own good. It wasn't because he didn't like you. And he only made it seem like he didn't like you because you wouldn't leave. And he was just trying to protect you. Well, also, he didn't dump you out in the street. He, like, set you up. Right. Their breakup was hard to watch. It was sad. It was was, hard. And stuff. And it's totally justifiable why she would be upset. But then to, like, lie to literally get him killed over it. Right. And to come back to King's Landing just to, like, tarnish his name. And the fact that he... He was so, like, well, not so respectful to Sansa. He definitely didn't want to have sex with her. But the fact that he didn't and he was like, I will not rape her and all this stuff. Like, and then for her to come back and be like, he was just mad that she wouldn't let him into her bed and all this stuff. It's like, Shay, why you gotta be like that? Yeah. Come on now. So horrible. Um, And I just love Tyrion so much. I think maybe that's where my anger comes from with Shay too is because it's, like, I feel so protective over Tyrion, and, like, anyone who wrongs him so, like, unjustly makes me so angry. Yeah. Agreed. I love Tywin's death, too. Another, like, I feel like it's overshadowed by Joffrey's death. Well, not overshadowed, but Joffrey's death is very satisfying, but Tywin's is very satisfying in this Mm -hmm. season, because I love how he calls Shay a whore, and... Tyrion's like, say that word again and I'll kill you. And then the second he says whore again, it's <laughs> arrow to the heart. <laughs> on the <Bye>. shitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dead on the toilet. Like, you're going to be a little bitch. You're going to die on the toilet. I Bye. love that too because you just know that that man was so prideful. And the fact that whoever had to come in and take away his body, just ass out, dick out on the toilet. Yeah. Like, just so vulnerable in that moment. Oh, I would have loved. I know that's obviously an oxymoron for him to be able to see himself dead, but I. I really would have liked to have seen that humiliation and how he's so sure that Tyrion isn't gonna kill him it's like dude you you went too far you went too far and i love varies asexual king mm-hmm. everyone makes fun of him for not having a dick and he's just like i never liked anyone anyways mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah represent varies represent fuck yes i think this is like Varys' turning point and i i agree i love that character um next to my notes is danny how do you feel about let's jump to it so danny this season is very interesting 
Um, I would kind of say that this is maybe a bit of a plateau season for her. Yeah, Because she has control of the city and is just kind of chilling. And she is getting a taste of what it's like to rule for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and this whole, like, breaker of chains, ender of slavery situation is more complicated than the bad bitchery surface level that we saw in previous seasons. So she starts off going to this city where there's slaves at every mile marker. Horrible, horrific. Um, It's a bad bitch moment where she's living up to her title of breaker of chains and watching her free more slaves uh, fuck over the slave masters and having that like kill the masters moment. I think it's interesting, too, that her mantra isn't free the slaves. Her mantra is kill the masters. A mm-hmm. little bit yikes. Um, very telling. Uh, and again, on like a first watch through, you don't necessarily pick up on stuff like that. Second watch through, it's a little bit like, hmm. Red flags. And then crucifying the masters. I remember my first watch through of this. I was kind of like, hmm. It's not something that you can't come back from. Because it's like, I understand justice, like you want justice, but uh, it's just very interesting how she has to confront some of these con- decisions that she makes. Mm-hmm. Like when that when the, um that man comes and is like, my dad is one of the people that you crucified and he <sighs> spoke out against slavery and mm-hmm. people turned him down. And why would you answer one crime with another crime? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of the first moment, not the first moment where she's like challenged on her pursuit of justice, but a very crucial moment for Danny's storyline. Again, I just wish her being like questioned and uh, like stood up to about this would have mm-hmm. changed her mind. Like Jorah changes her mind in that one scene where he's like maybe we should give them the chance to stop being slave owners instead of just rounding them up and killing them and she is like yeah you changed my mind uh-huh. love that scene her dr- sorry i'm rambling but her dress in that scene holy shit she looks so <laughs> do you know what dress i'm talking about where it's like no. her, t- her- yeah well, she wears a lot of dresses <laughs> this season like what am i looking for uh, well okay in that scene she's wearing like a dress where it's like titty cover titty cover and then her like tummy where it's like her her chiseled like defined tummy is showing Ugh. anyways i love women we don't have to get hung up i on do that, but i really i do <laughs> I, like her wardrobe more this season i like seeing her have money to have clothes yeah yeah her her outfits are always popping off this season it's amazing um but yeah i don't know what are your thoughts on danny this season i think danny's a little boring this season if i'm gonna be honest i agree the things that i more enjoy for danny this season are her crew uh i love sir jora as always and i as I have said time and time again, I love Grey Worm and Masandi. They're like top five favorite. I love them so much. And I love seeing the beginning of their like little vibes with each other, yeah. even though it's small. I just love that they're starting to turn from being like more just having storylines to do with Danny to having storylines that are individual to themselves and like seeing them become more standalone characters in that way. I just, I freaking love both of them and I love seeing those vibes planted. Um, I do think it's interesting with the dragons too, how they're like very out of control control this season and how it's talked about how like she can't control them and the fact that she is like this breaker of chains and then at the end of this season Mm -hmm. she ends up putting her own children in chains um and that she had to like make that very difficult decision that makes me so sad seeing those dragons like fight against them and be like mom what are you doing like oh my god that like it breaks my heart obviously i know it's literally cgi but i can't help the way that no it makes you feel yeah definitely and yeah i don't know i think danny's fine i think it is like a very interesting conversation when the one man comes and says you know like I had a purpose when I was a slave and like these children loved me and I had a home and I had this and I that was just like his life and how she took that away from him when maybe like he didn't necessarily want that freedom and it's just interesting because obviously like slavery bad like there's no like 
question about that. But then when you hear from his perspective of saying like, well, actually I would like the option to continue to go back, like to go back to that family because like, that's where I felt my calling and how he's like, I'm old, you know, like I, I don't, I don't have the time to change like all of these like younger people do. So like, obviously you can let all of them make their own decisions. But for me, I would just like the same respect of being able to like make my choice to go back to my master and family, which it's just, I don't know. I, that, that conversation is definitely very complicated and like two very different sides. And it's not black and white. And it's like this, Mm -mm. you can't just do an action without, I don't want to say like repercussions or consequences, but there's fallout and there's different situations for and things that are gonna like happen as a result of your decision making and majority of the slaves that are freed are like grateful about it but then there is this fallout Mm -hmm. of people who just like don't really know what's going on and um like there's this kind of disorganization and stuff that she might not necessarily Mm -hmm. have thought about or Mm -hmm. anticipated same with these dragons just kind of wreaking havoc and like killing this man's whole flock of sheep and it's good for her you know in episode six when she She's like, I'll pay you like three times their their worth or whatever. It's like at the end of the day, you know, she has a good heart and she wants what's best for people. But her, you know, I just I find myself always on Danny's side. And even my first time watching through this, I remember just having issues with her pursuit of justice. That's the only thing that I kind of like get hung up on. And then she has these moments where it's like, yeah, my dragons like killed all your sheep. So here's like three times as much. And it's like, that's what makes her so lovable and makes you still root for her at the end of the day. But then these decisions that she makes that are a little bit more complicated than they appear on the surface level. Uh It's like, uh, you know, she still has, she's imperfect. She's not this like completely, you know, amazing, good character. And that's what makes her so awesome. And I just always kind of thought she would overcome that. Uh But the fact that she like regresses and sinks into that. And that's like her Achilles heel that results Uh in her downfall. Fucking sucks. (laughs) And I will never let up on that. I know that this rewatch, I'm picking up on more things and I'm like, okay, I get it. It was always there, but I'm, I'm, I will not, I will not ever be okay with the eighth season. And I don't want to like go on a rant again this episode, but. We'll have plenty of time for that in season eight. Yeah. That episode's going to be like three hours long. (laughs) I think too, this season, the thing that I didn't necessarily connect with Danny as much on is that I do think she's, she's definitely hardening her edges more and she's putting up more walls between her and other people. And I think just like almost with the audience, I think part of her charm and appeal was that she had like a soft heart for people. And I do still think she does, obviously with her pursuit of freeing people and as you said paying that man for his goats that the dragons destroyed I just think there's almost like a coldness about Danny this season Mm -hmm. that she didn't used to have and I think that that carries forward like I think from this point out you know Danny does have a sense of coolness about her and like the like I think back to the third season like even when she um like Dracarys is that man and like takes the unsullied she still just has that like bit of warmth to her where this season and I find it lacking. Yeah, this is definitely kind of a turning point for her, and she does have to make a lot of tough decisions. I think it is just her first experience with having to rule, and she does have these, a huge following and devoted group of people now, like, relying on her. You know, a really hard decision is, like you said, chaining up her her kids, her her dragons, and then um, sending Ser Jorah away and finding out, like, her most trusted confidant has been spying on her or originally was spying on her. I think this season is definitely we're we're seeing that colder side of her. So I'm kind of interested to see how things continue. How do you feel about her sending Sir Jorah away? I don't know. I I think Sir Jorah is a little bit of a bitch. He's old. I don't like why he is like in love with her and all this stuff. I know he's not like 
necessarily making any moves on her. I just think it's a little weird to see him all butt hurt when she fucks uh, Dario, which girl fucking get it. He is so fine when she's like, take off your clothes. Like, hell yeah. You better take control. You know Danny's a top, period. Oh, 100%. And then to see Jorah like all butt hurt about that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's kind of a bitch boy moment for him, but also I'm sad about it. And she truly is lost without him. And I think it's foreshadowing, you know, again, her, her downfall when he does pass away she loses that like he is kind of the pita to her catness like he is Mm -hmm. the light he kind of softens her out just in that moment when he changes her mind and is like maybe let's not kill everyone let's you know be reasonable here he is Um, very much like a voice of reason when you can tell that she is not feeling rational yeah so it, it it does all make sense like ultimately leading up to the end and everything it's like Seeing that situation where he changes her mind and brings out the good in her and then her sending him away, it's very much foreshadowing like Danny isn't Danny without Jorah. But again, just the execution babes at the end. It didn't need to be that way. I I think the break it was, I guess, kind of needed for yeah. Danny and Jorah. I do think it's interesting to see. I, I like that we get to see her operate on her own for a bit moving forward without him just because he has literally been by her side since day one. So I do think that's interesting. But I just don't like it because I do just love their dynamic and I do just really like them as a duo. And I will be looking forward forward to when they are reunited my next set of notes is the wall kind of a lot going on there this season Mm -hmm. i love egret again just how she's Mm -hmm. like i'm not anybody's to own all you guys have all this shit to say about me it's like you know what all of you men we have this whole war like this whole huge precipice of the free folk where we're finally going to take the wall. We have all these people. We outnumber them. It's a huge moment for us, right? And all y'all can think about is the fact that I fuck someone. You have all this <laughs> stuff to say about my ginger bush and all this stuff. It's like, can you please shut the actual fuck up? Justice for Egret. I hate that she dies. Hate her death. I mean, I love it and I hate it. I love her on this rewatch. I love Egret. I love Egret and John together. I actually really enjoyed our time at the wall this season. Uh, Me too. We talked about in past seasons that whenever we see the snowy landscapes, we're like, oh, fuck, we're in for it. Because we don't love the wall stuff as much. Like, I don't... Mm -hmm. We don't fuck with the Men's of the Night watch. It's boring. But... This season, I found it especially interesting. Uh, Obviously, Egret, I talked about this last season that I really find her, like, she makes me like John even more. Like, I Mm -hmm. do like John on his own, but seeing the two of them together, they just have, like, such a great dynamic, and you can totally tell why they're married in real life. Like, their chemistry (laughs) is just unreal. And I just like what she does for his character and what that brings out. And I really enjoy them. Her death gets me every time I did shed a little tear today. (laughs) <laughs> when I was watching yeah. it just because it does it does make me emotional seeing her die in John's arms and then when it like kind of slow-mos around them and like fades out the background a little bit and just really focuses on them and it's just like another loss right. that John has after he's already had so many but this one was like right there in front of his face mm-hmm. oh it's so hard to see it and is R.I.P. Grit you are thoroughly missed because I fucking loved you. Yeah, and their bond and relationship really does foreshadow, or not even foreshadow, but like set up the the union of the Night's Watch and the Free Folk kind of joining together to fight against the White Walkers that comes later on. I think without the two of them like getting together and John like willing to humanize this group of people, that sets the tone for everything else. And I love the ginger man. <laughs> It's just crazy because, like, my first watch through, I'm like, fuck this guy. But now watching him, like, go through and, like, fight everybody, I'm like, you go! I love you! Like, kick some ass! It's crazy because this time I'm, like, rooting for both sides. Yeah, that episode, uh, was it episode nine? Nine. Yeah. When it's, like, solely them. It's a great episode. It is. It's a really good episode. It's really well done. The director, Neil something, great job with the whole combat, but then also, like, those emotional 
triggers as well. Like it's a great blend of both because we have this group of friends that John has been with since the beginning, like Sam, obviously, but then Pip and then the other two guys. It is cool to see John like stepping up and leading and him being right. And that conspiracy, conspiracy, I say in quotes, coming to fruition with like the biggest Mm -hmm. fire that that the wall has ever seen. You know, the Lord Commander acknowledging like, Oh, damn, bro, you were right. Mm-hmm. And seeing John take control and relying on his brothers, his best friends. Um, and I do, you know, feel something when Pip passes away. It's such a confusing situation that Egret is the one to kill him because it's like, God damn it, Egret. But also, I love Egret. And then when mm-hmm. fucking Ollie, the little kid, little kid. kills Egret, it's like, God damn it, Ollie. But then we see Ollie's family get slaughtered by wildlings like yeah. earlier on in the season. And it's like, damn. Yeah. It's just such a complex episode because really, especially on the rewatch, it's like, who are you truly rooting for in this moment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I love in this episode what it does for John's character too, especially mm-hmm. seeing him step up and be a leader because that only carries forward now mm-hmm. for the rest of the show. Has really come into his own because he started out being a bastard, going to the wall, not really being like treated with respect or really having much authority, like anything, just kind of wanting to blend in, do his job, whatever. And you're seeing him step up and become who we know he can be Mm -hmm. and be like Ned, even though Ned like isn't his dad, but you know, was his like fatherly role. Yeah. It's just great. I felt like proud of John watching this episode. Mm -hmm. I know you hate him, but I really loved just like those moments with him. And I love seeing hand to hand combat. It's like my favorite thing in all these fantasy shows and Star Wars. I love the lightsaber battles and I love the hand the hand hand combat in this one and also just Kit Harrington in general. Like his hair looks great while he's doing mm-hmm. it. You can just tell that he's like obviously skilled in what he's doing and mm-hmm. that he's actually able to do his own stunts and fight sequences. I wish Kit it's Harrington really well would have had a like a cameo in Star Wars or something or like if he would have been oh like God. a side character in that I feel like he would have thrived. I don't, I will say, I don't hate Jon Snow in that episode in particular. A precipice of his character development and really cool to watch him and his bros. I think it's them all together kind of like rising to the occasion and being like, you know, we're this ragtag group of criminals that everybody's like underestimating, but they all like rise to the occasion and they're all like boss ass bitches. I love Sam and Gilly. That made me emotional when mm-hmm. Sam just kind of like realizes that he loves Gilly and um when they kiss and when she like makes it back and all that. Also the moment in the tunnel when they start like chanting their yep. vows. Yeah. I don't know his name, but like when John's like, you need to go and like hold down the fort just whenever John's like telling his friends like what to do and they're like hell yeah I stand behind you um it's very cool to see very heartwarming it is also this is kind of going back to the beginning when they like go back to Craster's and kill the the brothers that like stayed there and kept like raping the Craster women I love the John and Ghost reunion so cute Mm -hmm. and I'm proud of them for burning Craster's keep and I just feel Mm -hmm. like truly no one suffers more than like no one suffers more trauma than the women in this show Mm -hmm. and justice for all of those women but I love that the men like went back there and helped them because it really solidifies Mm -hmm. them and it separates them from like okay these are the criminals that just like got sent to the night's watch and then these are like Mm -hmm. the legit like good-hearted men and then when we get to see those good-hearted men like fight against giants and mammoths and the the wildlings coming after them it's like Mm -hmm. they've come so far as a group yeah and i just i did not remember stannis coming in i didn't either i was like who the fuck is that i know i was like i was like okay seeing this army come in i was like literally who is this (laughs) (laughs) he was the last person that i would have guessed i just did not remember that period He's such what a forgettable even, man. He's I was just going to say, what did Stannis even do this season? Like, I couldn't tell you. He and Sir Davos went to, like, ask for money. Yeah, and they got fucking rejected. That was embarrassing. And the Red Woman is obviously planting seeds that, like, she needs to burn their daughter. But... Yeah, I just feel like he does not deserve Sir Davos as this mm-hmm. guy that's, like, riding so no. hard, going to the bat for him, like, every single mm-hmm. fucking time. It's like, dude, Sir Davos, You're justice for him. He deserves so much better. 
I love her Davos. Me too. My next notes are on Arya. Hell yeah. I love that she got Needle back. I love that this season. You know what my fucking... Okay, I love Arya and the Hound. I love this duo. Yes. This is like arguably my favorite duo. I love this duo. I love Brienne and Pod. So good. Oh, there's so many good little tag teams up in here. But Arya and the Hound. My favorite line, Arya's like, he killed Blami. <laughs> It's like their first moment together in this season when their heads pop up and they're like looking and she's like, he killed Lamy. And then I was like, what the fuck's a Lamy? <laughs> I just love them. Because it's so too. like opposites attract, but yet they actually have like a lot in common, I think, at their core. And they're just so fun to follow along on this journey that I love that they have those moments of like humor Mm -hmm. between the two of them and that they go back and forth like obviously when she's like I'm adding your name to my list and he's like okay yeah cool fuck you but then they have the moment when she's asking him to like please let me help take care of your wound and like I think we need to like burn it and he's like no and he opens up about obviously how horrible his childhood was with the mountain and that like brotherly uh, feud that runs so deep that we see play out obviously in throughout the seasons but obviously then in season eight and oh my god i just realized when we were talking about king's landing we didn't even talk about oberman getting his head literally yeah, exploded. i hate that <laughs> but yeah I, I love how they have moments of vulnerability like that together where you can tell that like they genuinely have a relationship forming but then they also still have that like love hate kind of relationship and then when they show up to the knights of the veil and they find out that Lears is dead <laughs> Arya just busts out laughing because it's like they have come close so many times. Yes, that blue balls moment again. Yes. So funny. He'll say sometimes like you're learning and all this stuff like she knows where the heart is and Arya getting to kill Pauliver, um, and kind of she's checking people off of her list and then the hound like validating her list and kind of respecting her. In a way, yeah. I feel like this is a turning point for Arya's character, too. Like, she really does become that bitch this season. And again, just, like, with the Hound, it's, like, he has the ability to be such a lovable character in certain moments. But then there's other moments where, like, when he kills the farmer and he's, like, dead men don't need silver. Arya's, like, what the fuck, bro? Like, they fed us <laughs> and stuff. And, and he's just, like, well, I just get how things work and you do good to to know how things work too and how many Starks do they have to behead before you start to understand how the fucking world works. And it's like, yeah, he he does kind of have a point. And just them like learning from each other, you know, he is healing. Like he's processing Mm -hmm. his trauma and him telling her about the fire story. And then, yeah, Hot Pie telling Brienne and Pod about her and then giving the wolf pie again it's just the show at this point is coming into its own a little bit i think having moments like that that pay off and are satisfying because the first bread wolf that he made what the fuck am i even recording oh okay i am sorry i was about to be so pissed but the first bread wolf that he makes is so botched and then this Mm -hmm. one actually looks really good Um, it's so cute and then just like brianne too i love when her and aria meet and aria kind of seeing someone like like an older version of herself for the first time and just like that validating Mm. moment and it's so like that's another blue balls moment because i do wish that the two of them would just like hang out together but it does make sense that Arya doesn't necessarily trust brienne especially with the valyrian sword and the you know lannister gold and i think the fight with the hound of brienne is also a really good fight the fact that she fucking takes a bite out of the back of his head fucking rotted but i like the hound like telling Arya to go after brienne and it's like she'll protect you um just him being like straight up with her in that moment i mean it's kind of like seemingly his death like i know that we know it isn't but in that moment it's kind of like how is he gonna from that and her just sitting mm-hmm. there and him just talking and talking and talking and eventually him like begging her to kill him yeah it's interesting i don't know and then i'm i'm very excited for her next chapter and i just love seeing her out on her own at the end of the season and like riding her own Mm -hmm. horse and then the whole 
Father Magulis or whatever she says to get on the boat and how that like foreshadows the end of the entire series where she's on the boat again. I got mm-hmm. I got serious chills when she's on the boat mm-hmm. looking ahead to the next chapter. She's such a bad bitch. I'm looking forward to her line next season. Quick talk about Theon and Ramsay. Yeah, let's do it. So we're really seeing Theon is a whipped boy this season. He has the opportunity to literally slice Ramsay's throat in the shaving scene and he doesn't do it because Ramsay's like, Rob's dead. <laughs> like Ramsay literally tells him that he killed Rob and or mm-hmm. his dad killed like helped kill Rob in that moment. And Theon's clearly like considering it in his head, but he doesn't because he's so whipped. Theon is just truly broken. And then again when Yara tries to save him, which is such yeah. a dope moment for for Yara's character, I love the the music and her just like commanding this huge group of men to go save her brother. I love Yara. Me too. I do. I really like her. But yeah, it's just it really does show how how far gone Theon is and how fucked up mm-hmm. Ramsay got him. So um, I still don't like Theon, obviously, but it is it, it's not like necessarily fun to watch him be so psychologically broken down by Ramsay, but it is fascinating. It's just so unlike any other what the fuck are you doing i just see her little eyes glowing in the closet oh it's just so unlike any other kind of torture that we've seen anyone go through on the show like so psychologically Mm -hmm. broken yeah and i think something that i'm noticing on this rewatch is like ramsey's daddy issues and Mm -hmm. that moment towards the end of the season when his dad Lord Bolton says to Ramsay, like, tell me what is your name? And Ramsay's like, Ramsay Snow. You know, he's just always had to kind of overcome being lesser than and like, Mm -hmm. remember who you really are. You're a bastard at the end of the day. You're not truly a Bolton. Um, And he's just always trying to like prove himself to his dad. And I think he's taking that trauma out on Theon and he kind of says to him in a different moment he's like remember who you are and who you've always been you've always been reek you've always you know you're always gonna be reek so just seeing that reflected with his daddy issues Mm -hmm. it's kind of crazy and then that moment where the sex scene i know this is inappropriate but i just think that was a hot sex scene what scene when yara's like coming to save theon and ramsey's having sex with that girl who's also like kind of crazy yeah she's a nut he's hot see that's the thing it's like he is so then obviously like next season when you see from the outside like what sansa sees and then what kind of monster lurks underneath that's what makes him more scary than someone like Mm -hmm. i don't know like tywin looks evil (laughs) i don't give a fuck about bran i don't have a single comment about him um yeah i don't obviously care about him either the fact that he literally sees john and the fact that he's convinced by fucking ferb which is now what i have started calling him because that actor is the voice of ferb on phineas and ferb (laughs) the fact that he lets ferb convince him to not reunite with john to find the fucking raven which i still don't even fucking understand um, no. They spend so little time on this storyline, and then when they do, it's so uninteresting, and I just don't give a single fuck about Bran no. or Ferb or Ferb's sister. No. And I don't like the weird fairy fantasy girl. Rest in peace, Ferb. I completely forgot that he died. I thought that he lived till the very end, but I guess not. I don't care. Um, I feel like they, they want us to care, but I don't. I don't. I don't give a shit about anything to do with Bran or the Three-Eyed Raven or any of those people. Yeah. I don't even keep track of their names. I literally don't pay attention when they're on my screen. <laughs> I don't my care. Phone time. Either. Um, and Hodor is not consenting to Bran being in his body and just killing all these people. So justice for Hodor. Quickly, another bitch of this season is Robin, teddy sucker, child. <laughs> Peter, you're literally a predator. Why are you kissing Sansa? She is a literal child. Um, but I also think that Liza being pushed out the moon door is iconic. Me too. It's a satisfying death, honestly. And also, I love seeing Sansa slap titty sucker. We didn't get a whole lot of Marjorie this season, but it is Sadly, interesting no. um, when, like, her grandma 
kind of admits to killing Joffrey and her, like, look of knowing mm-hmm. uh, her grandma being like, you didn't think I would actually let you marry that fucker, did you? Like, mm-hmm. uh, and just the fact that she does have compassion even for Joffrey, like, how she was so upset by his death. Not so upset, but just, like, that was hard to watch. Um, mm-hmm. I love her, but it, it sucked not getting a whole lot of her this season. I do like, though, when she has her little visit with Tommen in the middle of the night. And when yes. she's like, this is going to be, like, our secret. I'm like, oh, shit, Marjorie, you're so, like, she's sneaky. I love it. I think just, like, going back to the introduction of Oberyn in this season and how, again, on the rewatch, it's, like, so, he is actually very important, being, like, the champion for Tyrion at the end. Also, and- Smash. Oh, God. Uh, smash for sure for sure (laughs) smash and that story him talking about how Cersei like fucking grabbed Tyrion's dick as a kid like she has just always been a fucking crazy bitch (laughs) she's had issues from the womb (laughs) why is she so crazy yeah I think we already touched on this but her just telling Tywin like yeah I fuck my brother it's all true what they say about us yeah that was Iconic, a wild honestly. moment. I kind of loved seeing that. I did too. Funny. One thing with the bat, with the duel, like, oh my, first of all, that duel is amazing, but Oberyn, bro, you did not have to do that many, like, twirls and shit. <laughs> like, you're just, you're, uh, not that you're asking for your head to be exploded, but walk away. Yeah. <laughs> like, he yeah, had the he, chance to win. He really did. He did, yeah. He's just a showman, you know? He's theatrical. He's a little extra, and I wouldn't expect anything less from him. And even, like, his death was a theatrical death. What um, a bad way to, to go. see him go. Yeah, oh my god, ouch. That, like, makes my head hurt just thinking about it. But, also we see the mountain begin, like, his zombification process. <laughs> I forgot about that, but this fucking crazy man i don't like his i mean we get his introduction at the end of the season and i don't like him in the next season but i also like seeing maester pycelle get pushed aside because (laughs) fuck you i think actually oberman was one of the only introductions too i know i've been trying to keep track of like who we're introduced to this season i think the martells were like one of the only big intros and obviously oberman r.i.p and Miss Martell comes back into play later. Yeah, not really a big season for introducing new characters. Yeah, which I appreciate. I mean, I don't like getting a ton of new characters when we already have yeah. so many. I like how much other characters are built upon in this season. We will be back next week covering First Kill, which is a new sh- show on Netflix. Yeah, gay shit. Happy Pride Month <laughs> to all of my gays and days and everyone. <laughs> and then we don't know what we're covering the following week, but then we will be back with season five. So we got two weeks off. Uh, maybe we'll catch up on Kenobi again. Maybe we'll find something new. Maybe we'll do a Junk Disney. We don't know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so we won't be back with another Game of Thrones episode for another two weeks. But yeah, we're going to... We're, August is going to be here before we know it. All right. We'll see you guys next Looking week. Lila. Lila.